0: Lead me to some soul today who oh, teach me. Welcome Lord, everyone to episode today. number 50 of a series of episodes that we've called and are calling Leading Others to Christ. Those of you that have been watching and listening, you know that during these episodes, we're going to be focused on evangelism. And one of our goals, and we have several, in our and it's really fascinating because. As we continue to do these, our list of things to do continues to grow, too, so that's exciting. But one of our goals is to stir us up, to stir us up, the Hebrew writer said, to love and good works, but especially in the area of reaching our family, our friends, or neighbors with the gospel of Christ. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in Franklin, Indiana, For those of you that are not familiar with uh, Indiana, Franklin's about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis, and uh, those of you that know me know that I'm I'm passionate about our subject today, and I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when I was 21 years old in in Owensboro, Kentucky, and since then, I've always been striving to listen to different ones, to read anything I could get my hands on. of, of learning how to teach others. Now, I'm going to use some Bible phrases here. Learn how to sow the seed, to learn how to be a fisher of men and women, uh, to learn how to make disciples, uh, to, to know uh, how to persuade men and women, and, and to teach others to teach. I see myself more uh, as a teacher than a preacher, but I always try to remember what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, and the things, he said to Timothy, the things that you've heard from me, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men, and obviously women, who will be able to teach others also. And then later in the chapter, he uses this phrase that I really like. Uh, Paul was encouraging Timothy to be useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So last year, 2020, when all this COVID stuff started, came up with this idea, and uh, to uh, to do interviews, to identify the men and women around the, the country. Uh, those fellow workers, they're doing this, the ones that are out there uh, teaching others and reaching others and interview them and find out why are they doing this? How are they doing it? Uh, what tools are they using? Where, where are they working currently? And uh, so that's a, a little backdrop that I do almost every time when we start these. But we're so excited today to have someone with us that we're going to be able to learn a lot from. And uh, I encourage you, as we often do, to get out your pad and pen and take some notes because there's going to be some things that, you'll, uh, that you're will that you going to hear today that you're going to want to remember. But our guest today is Wayne Galloway. Welcome, Wayne. Good morning. It's a pleasure yeah, to be here. Yeah, we're so happy to have you with us today. Uh, Wayne works with the uh, Stanford Church of Christ in Stanford, Kentucky. And uh, I'll let you tell everybody where Stanford is in a few minutes. But uh, we're so happy to have you here today. And uh, uh, when we talked uh, yesterday or, or earlier in the week about the interview, and I want to have it down on my nose to be sure and tell Phyllis hi again if you didn't, if you didn't the other day. Um, but we are just uh, delighted to uh, – I was trying to think, when did we first meet? Yeah, Can you remember when we first met? Well, I
1: remember you as a coach at Florida College.
0: Yeah, there you go. I thought that was right. Um, that's back when I had hair, uh, <laughs> I was coaching, but, uh, <laughs> and you too. Yeah. But uh, I knew it'd been a long time, uh, but um, I, I just, uh, I've enjoyed our relationship over the years and, and the family and uh, uh, I'm just anxious to talk to you because you've got a lot of things that you can share with us, but we kind of start this out, Wayne, with uh what we call like the old elevator pitch. You know, if you get on an elevator and stand there face to face with somebody and somebody says, what do you do? What do you do for a living? And, uh, uh, so the elevator pitch or a short bio, tell everyone, if you would, just, just a little where you were born, how old you were when you obeyed the gospel and kind of got bring us up to speed of where you are today.
1: Well, Dan, I was born in Glasgow, Kentucky, and, um, I obeyed the gospel. Um, in a little congregation called Bearwallow, which was north of Glasgow, uh, when I was 12 years old. My parents, uh, I remember when they were baptized. I was probably nine or so. Uh, my dad knew the truth, but had not made any commitment. Uh, my mother, her family had been associated with a denomination. Uh, But neither one of them were actively involved in any kind of religious uh, commitments at all. And so I was able to watch them be baptized at age nine or so. And I became a Christian when I was 12. And I recall very well what happened. Of course, from the time I was about 10 or so, we'd been going to Bible classes and had heard a variety of different uh, stories. And my mother had even read to us when we were younger. Uh, Bible stories, but i never put all that together and made application to myself. And uh, we had a gospel meeting going on. And they said, have you ever thought about becoming a Christian? Well, I really hadn't. <laughs> and um, uh, that shocked me. And I began to listen to the lessons with a different perspective relative to application to myself. And that's when you were 12. That's when I was 12.
0: Yeah, you know, and it, of course, we all know different levels. I was 21, as I said earlier, um, and, um, and and really fought it. You know, when I was exposed to the truth earlier, I just said, this can't be right. And I grew up in a denomination too. And and just the challenges and, and my future wife and my future mother-in-law gave me a Uh, books to read and there were a lot of debates and i would listen read those debates and get mad and and, and didn't understand a lot of things but but i I just think it's uh you know so it's fascinating i I don't think we've had anyone say that of where you were old enough to 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 witness uh, your parents obeying the gospel and then uh and then you did too uh at a young age and you know did you always want to be a preacher? You no, little, I didn't. Yeah. So when kids, that, when people would say, when you were little, Wayne, what do you want to be when you grow up? you remember what you said or what you were I thinking? wanted to
1: be an engineer. I oh. mean, like my cousin. How about uh, that? Had this grand job and uh, did magnificent things. And when I went away to Florida College, I determined that I was going to be an engineer and entered but, into a pre-engineering program. I became a preacher um, when I... Well, there's a story behind that, and I up too much time maybe telling it,
0: but That's good. Uh,
1: uh, I had gone to the library and pulled off the shelves a variety of different books regarding um, different vocations, and um, was looking through those books one night, and my roommate came in, and he said, why don't you give it up? And I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you know you want to preach, and I said, I do not know that. Wow. And um, he said, you, you know that you want to preach. I insisted that I did not. And uh, that summer, he was preaching for a small congregation out in Fountain Run, Kentucky. And he was not going to be able to be there uh, on a Sunday and called me. And I said, OK, I'll do it for you. I'll prepare <laughs> this lesson and I'll go there and present this lesson for you. And the next thing I knew, he had me going every week. During the process of that, I still was not interested in preaching. But there was a a man there that could not read or write. That uh, in a Bible class, we were studying about family relationships, and he began to tear over. He spoke about how he wanted to influence his family with the message of the gospel. But they would not listen to him because he was a drunk when they were children. And so they wouldn't listen to him. And I thought in that Bible class, if I could devote my life to something that would be helpful to people like this, that they didn't have to experience this kind of hurt, then my life would have been spent in something that was worthwhile. So when I went back to Florida College, I made the determination that, okay, I'll start studying the scripture uh, in more detail and um, um, give consideration to devoting my time to preaching, teaching people.
0: Well, I just find those stories fascinating. And it's like, this came up, I think, in one of our first interviews, and it might have been with Benjamin Lee, but this idea of what if, and it's, it just kind of fascinates me because when you were in the library that night, that day going through uh, the books, when your friend came up and what did he say to you? Stop it. Or what, what would you, why, do, why don't you give it up? Why don't you give it up, you know, and, and stimulate that thinking. And then the opportunity that you had there back when you went back to Kentucky, what if those incidents hadn't occurred? What if your friend hadn't even come into the library that night, you know, to stimulate the thinking that we have, but I just find those things fascinating of, of the people that have crossed our paths. And, what if they hadn't? And what if the you know, providence of God is a fascinating subject to me, and I don't understand it, uh, it, it like I wish I did, but I could. But um, but I just find that that fascinating. So I, I've been asking almost everyone, well, why are you doing this? Why are you leading people uh, to, to Christ? And uh, so that that energy has just grown over the years, right? Because you've been preaching for a while now.
1: I've been preaching for 45 years. I thought you might ask that question until yeah. I counted it up. You figured it up, right? Uh, well, that that's just fascinating. Tell us
0: a little bit, if you would, about the, the group there at Stanford.
1: Well, well a- we are out in the country. Uh, the town that we live in, uh, Stanford, and we're associated with the Fort Logan Church of Christ, um, is a town of about 25, 20, 25 2600 people. Uh, The whole county is about 6,000, I would say. Um, So we're in a rural environment, uh, and the circumstances are certainly different here than I think that they are in more uh, metropolitan areas. We don't get a whole lot of people moving through and that sort of thing. It's kind of a settled community. Uh, We don't have a whole lot of jobs uh, to keep our young people. That's part of the problem here. Uh, One of the things that we've tried to focus on here in this community is the the relationships uh, that are inherent in the small town kind of community. They're stable, um, they involve uh, years and years of trust building and those kinds of things. And as you're thinking about uh, influencing people with the gospel, I think those kinds of things can be very helpful. In addition to the providence of God and bringing people together, which is absolutely critical, our relationship with the person becomes uh, a key factor. They learn to trust us and learn then from us to have faith uh, in the one that we have faith in.
0: Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to apologize. I don't know why I said Stanford Church. I knew it was Fort Logan, but That's I apologize okay. for that. But, uh, but no, uh, you know, we've interviewed, uh, as we said earlier, you number 50, and, and, but we've interviewed people from New York. Uh, from uh, Seattle, Washington, uh, California, uh, Tampa, you know, Florida area, North, South Carolina. And, and that's one thing that's uh, obviously comes out and it makes sense is the environment like you're touching on there is so different. I mean, if you, uh, like in talking to Caleb Churchill up in Harlan, New York, he, when he walks out of his place there, I mean, there's just a steady flow of traffic on the yeah. sidewalk. Yes. And uh, and to think about, you know, and, uh, you know, it's so different in in the different people that that he sees on a a daily basis. And but I I think that's a a fascinating part of understanding evangelism is understanding the environment that you're in and and all those things. Uh, But relationships, I I talk about that a lot, and I think that's so important Um, and uh, that we have to develop relationships with people before they'll ever. Trust is enough to sit down and talk about Jesus,
1: right? Exactly. And as I look into the text of Scripture, I find this relationship web uh, inherent in what the text of Scripture says. Uh, The household of Lydia responds, uh, the household of the jailer. And sometimes people say, well, who are these people in one's household? Is that just your immediate family? And in the New Testament text, it's not just your immediate family. It could include servants and work associates and all of that kind of thing. So someone says, well, who is my uh, household? My response would, has been to that. We'll give consideration to who would come to your funeral. Those yeah. people are the ones that you have an influence with and that you love and that love you. So there is your household. These are the people that trust you that have uh uh, a feeling of confidence in you and probably know something about your integrity and your character and are interested in perhaps learning why you are who you are.
0: I think that's, that's really good. Uh, I've heard that said before, uh, in, in some context of, of that, of, of the, who's going to show up to your funeral and uh, the relationships uh, that I'm glad you brought that up. That was good. Uh, I know, uh, I think the last time I saw you, you were in a meeting up here in, uh, in uh, Indianapolis, and uh, maybe I saw you somewhere before then, but I know you've done a lot of gospel meetings over the years, and, and I know that uh, something that's near and dear to you is you do some work overseas, don't you?
1: Uh, I have, over the last 20 years, uh, made frequent trips to Columbia, South America, and it's a very rewarding part of my experience as a preacher. Um, The circumstances there are quite different than they are here. Uh, There is a great love for souls by the preachers and teachers and Christians in uh, Colombia. For example, I was on one of the mountains overlooking the city of Bogota, and I asked uh, Nestor Bermudez, I said, how many people live in the city of Bogota? He said, about nine million souls. Wow! You didn't say people. Yes, about nine million souls. That's his perspective, and I think that that's the perspective that we need to have uh, to um, have the kind of motivation uh, to perceive the value uh, of these souls that we're working with.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Um, yeah, just just to think about that to go from uh, Stanford population you said there to be standing there looking at nine million people nine million souls it's awesome uh, that is that's awesome so tell little uh because I don't know the story how did you uh how'd you end up going to Columbia the first time
1: well uh Royce Chandler came to the congregation here interested in finding support uh and so I asked him I said well would it be a possibility for me to go and actually uh, visit and be in contact with people he said certainly and uh, one thing led to another. And uh, so in 20 years, we've made probably 30 trips or more. Um, wow. 2018 and 19, Phyllis and I spent January, February, and March uh, in Columbia uh, preaching. Um, in 90 days, I think I preached and taught uh, about a hundred different lessons. Uh, wow. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot of work. So there I could do, Uh, as much teaching in three months as I do here, probably in six months. But one of the things that I found interesting about Columbia is you've got different circumstances and uh, the questions that I am asked here in Kentucky are quite different than the questions that I'm asked uh, in Columbia. To give you an example of that, uh, we were invited to one congregation. I preached there and there was a lady in the congregation that said, do you have a night free? to come over to the town where I live and do a lesson there. And I said, sure. So we were able to go to this little town called Chinoo. And this lady and her mother went out that afternoon and handed out flyers in her community. And they set up a little meeting place in her backyard with lights and chairs. And probably 20 people showed up for the Bible study. during the Bible study, after I'd completed the Bible study, I've got this question from an individual that had never been there before, I think. He said, does God forgive people who kill people? Now, that's not a question that I usually receive here in Kentucky. Right. But I think that he had a good reason for asking that question. I interpreted that that perhaps indeed he had killed people. Uh, that's not something that is um, necessarily uncommon uh, in Colombia. You know, you have uh, uh, rebels, you have the paramilitary groups, uh, you have the army. And I don't know which he might have been associated with, but my suspicion was that in the past he had been associated with a group like that. Uh, some of the other brothers talked to him, of course, in Spanish uh, for some time, and he was baptized the next day. Wow. Uh, The next time that we're there in that area, we go back, there he is again. He's still there, still faithful to the Lord. Um, So radical transitions. People have experienced painful circumstances, and they have done painful things uh, as sinners. And meeting that and seeing (laughs) the forgiveness that is available from a God- that could forgive even me well, how magnificent that is what a gift to be able to bring that to somebody else after having experienced it yourself
0: so good several things there i told you i try to to, uh, to feed off of whatever comments are made but two or three things you said that number one is that you bring up the idea of questions questions that people ask us um and we've all experienced that where we uh, where I have certainly uh, where people ask me a question. and I go in my mind, I go, whoa, I haven't been asked that one before. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one of the things I started doing on the study that I do with people I always have my yellow pad with me. And I, I preface the study when we start. And I say, if you, uh, uh, you know, we're going to be looking in the Bible. But any questions you have, feel free to ask them. Mm-hmm. But I say, if you ask one that doesn't really apply to what we're on right now. So we're not chasing squirrels or rabbits or whatever. I said, I, I say, that's a great question. And I write it, I say, I'm going to write it down. Then we'll answer it later. Is that yeah. okay? And, and people will agree to that, but it saves me so many times because it gives me a chance to go do some research if I have to. But the other thing I was thinking is that look how much better equipped Wayne Galloway is because that guy asked you that question. Yeah. now. Right. You're better equipped to know how to answer that today than you were then. Yeah. Yes. So that's part of all the growth process. And then the radical transition. Wow. We could talk about that for a while. Right. Absolutely. And and that's what so many people have a problem with. And and I've seen this, too, even with sadly that even some that have obeyed the gospel, uh, you know, they saw the truth. and, And at that moment, they wanted to be saved, if you will. Uh, but they didn't really realize what what trans, uh, transformation was all about and weren't willing to give up some of the things in the world and it just breaks your heart when you see someone do that uh, because they don't fully they don't fully see it for one reason or another but now I, I think that's great and then and the fact that he you know back to the what if again what if that lady you were talking about didn't come up and say she had to have the courage to say could you come to my hometown right and- and then she had to have the courage to invite her neighbors to come over to her backyard. Certainly. And what if, what if she hadn't invited him? What if he hadn't shown, you know, it, it just, it's fascinating. It's yeah. just fascinating. Yes. Uh, I, I wanted to do this real quick because uh, the time goes so fast on these, but mentioned Phyllis earlier. Uh, and I'm glad you mentioned there that she went with you. Uh, so she had the opportunity and you had the blessing of having her with you while you were there. Uh, in Columbia for a few months but just just real quick because I, I think a lot of times preachers and elders are maybe guilty of of not recognizing or, or giving their spouse enough uh, uh, appreciation if you will for the role that they play in an evangelist life could you maybe just address that how, how important has Phyllis been to you and in, in your marriage and in your work
1: Critical. She's critical to it, Uh, not only from the standpoint of supporting me, but uh, she is able to make contact with people in a way that sometimes I'm not able to. Uh, I can remember a couple that uh, began coming to worship, uh, assembling with us on an occasion, and they would come in at the last moment before time for the assembly to begin. And then they would leave the first people out the door. Uh-huh. And we had two little boys and Phyllis sat kind of on the back pew. And I remember her one time running out of the building to catch them. Yes. To talk with them. Um, they were responsive to that. Um, uh, ended up becoming Christians uh, good things happened over the years as a result of that. Uh, as a matter of fact, they even helped us in our support going to Columbia on occasion. Wow. Uh, so, you know, to, to see that kind of thing happen and to, for her to be a part of it, one of the things that we've learned to do um, in, over the years is to, if there are visitors to a worship assembly, if we can invite them into our home, it kind of breaks the ice and cultivates the relationship. If we can invite them to, into our home for a meal or something like that, uh, it gives us some opportunity then to go further with them, it, not only in the cultivation of the relationship, of course, but in being able to influence them with the message of the gospel. And, and this has worked multiple times. Uh, we we try to, have tried to do it over the years. I really wish that we could get everybody in the Lord's church to be sensitive to those that assemble with us on occasion uh, that are not Christians, just visitors. Yes. Uh, I think that sometimes we lose um, that opportunity uh, by not making the uh, continual connection.
0: Yeah, that's uh, we've talked about that a lot. I mean, you look at, I mentioned this the other day, and I, this has come up several times, and not to be negative at all. But the reality is right now, in a lot of places out here, the Lord's church is dying. I mean, literally dying. There's no evangelism going on. Uh, for whatever reason, the people that are there, uh, you know, and I don't know, so you have to be careful what you say. But they, they, it seems as though they never learned their personal responsibility to develop relationships in the community. And like you say, to be hospitable, to have people over uh, so to talk to him about Christ and and the number of churches that are closing their door and the number of those that are that are leaving. Uh, that's why we've been trying to do this to try to maybe like a wake up call. Uh, I have an article and I've mentioned a couple of times in interviews that uh, it was published in the uh, Owensboro Messenger and Enquirer there in Owensboro, Kentucky. And it was on uh, April the 30th, 1960. So I would have been 14 years old, never exposed to the church or anything at that time. But the title of the article was that Church of Christ, the fastest growing church in America. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine seeing a headline like that today, Wayne?
1: We've got a message that no one else has. We need to recognize its value and we need to appreciate that we have the world-changing message. Um, I'm afraid that we become too involved in our own affairs, too internally focused. Um, If if we learn to love other people uh, more, now I don't mean to fault our brotherhood at all because I believe that there we've got people that love others. Absolutely. Uh, that that are concerned, that are willing to make sacrifices financially and uh, of their time and that kind of thing. Uh, but somehow or the other, we've got to get kind of refocused on uh, what's important here.
0: Well, obviously, I agree. And that, that was one of the reasons, as I said earlier, why we started doing this is I wanted to find the ones that Still are on fire, if you will. The, the ones that are out there, where are they? <laughs> men, women, preachers, elders, deacons, members in the congregation and 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 how are they doing this? and what can I you know I, I get excited when I'm around Wayne. all right It, 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 it stirs me up uh, and uh, and I think I need that associate. you know, somebody said years ago that we're the average of the five people that were around. And, and you know that we spend the most time with we some of us we look at the the ones who we're around and we go wait a minute maybe I need to expand my uh, uh, circle here a little bit but um, but it it excites me in all these interviews we've done it, it I get so excited afterwards because of just the energy that was there during the interview and hearing the stories and hearing the conversations believe it or not can you Matt's already held up five we we've, we've got five minutes to go. All right, this, that's all right. We, we might go over today. Let's do this real quick. Uh, so, I, I appreciate, before I get off that, t- I appreciate you staying on fire there uh, in, in that part of Kentucky and in Columbia and, and uh, keep up your good work, brother. Uh, we, we really appreciate that. Um, you've already mentioned a couple, and maybe that was one of the ones you wanted to talk about, but have you got a
1: conversion story that you'd like to share with us? I do. Good. Uh, This is something that happened uh, a few years ago. Uh, There was a young Colombian lady, young lady, that uh, came to Stanford, Kentucky, to practice her English. Oh, That's an interesting feature right there. And uh, uh, she was able to spend some time in our home, and she heard me preach every Sunday. She came to our assemblies, uh, Bible classes, and all of that kind of thing. And we were talking about asking questions. She was an individual that asked questions. And she would catch me alone in the living room and start asking me questions about uh, what I was teaching. And I would try to give answers and you could tell that she was really interested in in what she was learning. Um, After a few months, her interest had grown to the point and she had to return to Columbia. Uh, She was interested in becoming a medical doctor and has since done that. Um, She called me from Columbia once, and she said, when are you coming to Columbia again? And I told her, and she said, well, she said, I wanna be baptized when you you get here. I said, well, that's a month or so out, and you need to go ahead and be baptized now. She said, no. She said, I've almost got my dad converted too. Oh wow! She said, I think within a month when you're here, that you can baptize both of us. Wow. And when we went to Columbia, sure enough, she has uh, influenced her dad to the point that he's ready to be baptized, baptized both of them. Uh, then her mother uh, was baptized sometime later. Um, it, it's just a Interesting story. And you say, well, where's the providence of God in this? Well, who knows? Why would a young Colombian be interested in coming to Kentucky to practice her English in the first place? (laughs) Yeah, because
0: we've got our own dialect. We have. (laughs) We do. Uh, But, uh, well, that's a great story. And and there you go again. Who'd she think of right away when she learned it? Well, herself, but immediately her thoughts went to her dad.
1: Our family, yes.
0: Her family, yeah, and uh, and that's the way this this whole thing works as well. You know, um, well, thanks for sharing that. And, you know, one of the things we have been ending the interviews with is what we call one thing, uh, and there's obviously more than one thing. But uh, if somebody was listening and they're excited and they want to say how to get the fire going again or get it started in the first place, and they want to talk to you some more. Um, what would be one thing that you would say to somebody that they need to do or that they need to learn how to do to get involved in leading others to Christ?
1: Well, Pharaoh uh, Jenkins taught me. He said, if you want to preach the gospel, you have to do two things. Number one, you have to learn the book. And number two, you have to learn the people. And I think that those are two critical elements. We have to, I'm gonna put a different adjective to those two concepts. We have to love the book, we have to love the Lord, and we have to love the people. Good. And we need to understand that we're the bridge over which people that are lost can find life. People that have murdered people can now come to live and be forgiven by the Lord. People that are young can find hope and can look forward to a promising future and can look forward to influencing uh, their friends and their relatives uh, with something that is so powerful. You know, one of the things that uh, I guess I was taught in high school is that we ought to go out and try to influence the world in a positive way. Right. You know, I guess that those teachers were saying uh, in a particular vocation, uh, enter into a vocation where you can make a contribution to the well-being of mankind. Well, I think that by, Communicating to people the message of the gospel. We're changing the world in a magnificent way. Uh, if we want the world to be a different place, then we're the agents of that change. The message of the gospel is uh, uh, the mechanism by which the world is going to be a different place. We want the um, world to become the kingdom of God. That's what the Lord wants. That's our purpose. Let's be busy about
0: seeking the lost oh i wish we had more time because you know and and you could say this i know in any any period i was telling somebody the other day and talking about what's going on in our society right now and all the all of the political nonsense and the the rhetoric and the fighting and fussing and stuff I, i tell somebody it reminds me of you know back when i was in high school and college in the 60s and all the racial turmoil and all, you know, the Vietnam war and Kennedy was killed. And Martin Luther King was killed. And yeah, I mean, it's just, but the world is a mess right now. And Wayne, I know you know that. And, but yeah, I just think that the message that we have is the message to bring peace, if you will, and to change the world, to get focused on the right things here and, uh, and so, and so many times we, you know, we go, oh, woe is me, and we've got the answer. <laughs> and and I love that you said we're the bridge. We can be the bridge to help help that one that killed someone, or help. I don't know. It, it just gets so emotional and so powerful. But you know that that uh, the power. Just a quick thought, and we'll end. But just a thought that you have about the power of the gospel, the power of His word. What what is that, Wayne? How do you describe that to somebody?
1: Well, you know, when you're trying to teach someone and you're, we're talking about how the providence of God acts, uh, the, the power of the gospel is not in our proficiency in communicating it. Uh, it's not how good of a teacher I am. Uh, but this message is um, its powerful like a seed. You know, it it looks inanimate. It is inanimate. And yet you put it in the ground and give it the right conditions and a plant comes up that is absolutely fantastic. Um, I think that sometimes we think of the message of the gospel uh, as this logical development of thought and that that's all it is. Yet there's more to it than that. Um, It's not all about our presentation. It's about God working in people's hearts. If they can come to understand that even though I have done these horrible deeds, that God is gracious enough, loving enough, kind enough to sacrifice his son for me, I am so unworthy. How powerful is that? we understand about giving gifts to people we kind of soften each other's hearts and create relationships with the giving of gifts well god has given the gift of his son what more could he do he's put his spirit within us and let us let that spirit influence the others as uh, it comes out and is communicated through who we are
0: i'm glad i i'm glad i asked you that one right at the end there that's that's so good and 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 I guess takeaway thought is what can we do even with the the people that we're around every day in our congregations to uh, stimulate them and and so that they and uh, you know so many we've heard these things over and over and over and it, it's like somehow it's got to become a fresh thought with us or a better appreciation whatever the right way is to say it but um just to appreciate the things that you said here just to, to be the bridge and the message of the world and to be Change agents, if you will, in in a positive way. But all right, we're out of time. Thank you again, brother, uh, for uh, doing this, and and I appreciate you and Phyllis so much. And Gay said to say hi again, but uh, uh, keep up your good work, and we love you and your family. And uh, uh, just uh, again, thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, I know if, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, would you mind giving a contact information where they could? Uh, uh, reach out if they want yes. to talk to me. Uh,
1: they can contact me through my email address it is W-T-G 2 the numeral 2 at Hughes H-U-G-H-E-S dot net wonderful
0: all right well thanks again and
1: uh, Lord willing we'll be able to see each other soon well thank you Dan appreciate what you're doing and our, our love to gain thank you so much Melt my and fill my life, give me one soul today.